Row Jimmy by Scott Thompson, February 3rd, 2022. Introduction by Peter McGuire. Although I have strong memories of some of the waves I have ridden during my 50 plus years of surfing, my most powerful memories are of the lives that I have saved from certain death in the ocean. Three rescues stand out above all the others. The first was a naked French Canadian who got his trunks ripped off and sucked almost a mile out to sea at Cape Hatteras during Hurricane Bonnie in 1998. Then there was the military guy who got in way over his head at a remote, unguarded North Shore reef in 2004. The most haunting, however, was a small child who got pulled off a sandbar by a wave at Cape Hatteras, then went under and never came up. The only reason the little boy lived was because I paddled to where I thought the rip would take him, spotted his tiny body going out to sea underwater, fished him out, jump-started him on my longboard, and returned him to his bewildered parents. None of these saves compare to my friend Scott Thompson's recent rescue of himself in the Santa Barbara Channel. A lesser man would have perished. Scott is a sea urchin diver by trade, but first and foremost, he is a waterman, and I believe that is the reason he is alive. As I wrote in my recent profile of Navy SEAL Ivan Trent, Strength and Honor, quote, Today the expression waterman has been reduced to a marketing cliche used to sell stand-up paddleboards and other detritus of the so-called surfing lifestyle. There was a time when the word actually carried weight, designating the maritime equivalent of a black belt in a great martial art. It was not simply enough to surf. A waterman had to master all the aquatic arts. He was a skilled diver, canoe surfer, oarsman, meteorologist, sailor, ocean swimmer, body surfer, lifesaver, fisherman, board and boat builder, and could ride any size surf on any craft put beneath him. Watermen like Scott are not motivated by glory, fame, or money. If a fish needs catching, they catch it. If a wave needs riding, they ride it. And if a life needs saving, they save it. Because that is what watermen do. Row Jimmy by Scott Thompson. It wasn't a work trip. Usually when I go to the Channel Islands, it's to dive for sea urchin. This time, it was to go surfing. Miss Grace, my 22-foot Anderson boat, and those islands aren't just my office. They're my sanctuary. There was a nice west swell running, so I looked at the weather. It looked good, and I decided to go catch some waves. I called my wife and asked her if she'd mind if I went out to surf and camp on the boat for the night. She said, sure, do what you gotta do. I went to Channel Islands Harbor, put Miss Grace in the water, fueled up, and headed towards Chinese Harbor on Santa Cruz Island at about 3.30 p.m. I wasn't sure where I was going to go, what I was going to do. It depended on the waves. I was putting along and the conditions were nice until I got to the lee of Point Conception. Before you reach the front side of Santa Cruz, you hit the windy gap. Even on a nice day, there can be a crappy current and a lot of breeze. It was nothing dramatic and I headed into it. The boat was starting to pound a little more, then a little more. Next, water was splashing in the windows and pounding and it was getting worse and worse. I got frustrated and was like, can a guy catch a break? This sucks. If it was a work day, I would have pounded right through it. But this wasn't a work trip. This was supposed to be fun. Finally, I was like, this is lame and decided to turn around and head home. About halfway back between the oil platform Gina and the oil platform Gale, I throttled back and called a friend. After he offered to meet me at the harbor and help me with my boat, I hung up and decided to take a piss before I throttled back up. I was taught by the best urchin divers in the business about safety, but for whatever reason I was careless and didn't take the boat out of gear. The conditions weren't that bad. It was just the evening slop and the wind was picking up. 
I went to the starboard side and was just standing there doing my business next to the davit. Since I left the helm, the boat had taken a bit of a starboard turn and I was starting to get in the trough of a swell. I didn't know if it was residual wake from another boat or just a bigger wave, but a big wave slapped the side of the boat. It started rocking and rolling, and when it rolled, I stepped on some weights or my urchin rake and lost my balance. I said to myself, whoa, here I go in the drink. I saw the rope of my davit and tried to grab it to catch myself. I remember seeing it was right there, but I missed it and hit the water. As soon as I hit the water, I was so pissed. When I went to try to pull myself aboard, Miss Grace wasn't there. She was chugging towards the harbor because I hadn't taken it out of gear. That's when I realized, hey dude, you're in trouble. My first reaction was, I'm going to catch my boat. So I started swimming after it as hard as I could. But after a minute, I saw it was getting further and further away. And I had a sinking realization that I wasn't going to catch it. Now I stopped and was like, don't wear yourself out, Scott. You're not going to catch your boat. Once I realized the gravity of the situation, panic set in. I was probably seven or eight miles from shore in a t-shirt and a pair of shorts. I was treading water and all I was thinking was, great, I'm gonna die. I looked up to the sky and was so pissed off at myself, I screamed, fuck, this is how it's going to end, really, this is it. I don't know if it was instinct or training for my days in the fire service, but I went into survival mode and started talking to myself. Rule number one, don't panic. I got my thoughts together and next said to myself, save your energy. I laid on my back, floated, relaxed a little and thought about my options. I looked around, got my bearings and considered trying to swim to the beach, that it was too far and I probably wouldn't make it. Next, I did a 360 to see if there were any boats around, but there wasn't a vessel in sight. I looked looked over and saw what I assumed was Platform Gina, but it turned out to be Platform Gale and thought, that's going to be one hell of a swim, but I have two choices, swim there or give up and die. Now my surfer diver waterman instinct kicked in. I looked to see where the current was going because you can't swim against the current. I got to go wherever the current's going and plot my course from there. I don't know if it was dumb luck or divine intervention, but whatever you want to call it, the current was headed towards the platform. I started swimming the crawl, but that lasted two or three minutes before I realized that I was going to wear myself out. Next, I started swimming the breaststroke and it felt a lot better because I was not expending so much energy. The first thing I was thinking was, I can't die. I've got my children, my wife, my friends, my family. You got to live. How disappointed and upset are they going to be if I don't make it? These waves of emotion kept sweeping over me. I had to think positively. Every time a negative thought like, I don't know if I can make it, came into my mind, I talked to myself in the third person. Scott, you can do this. You're strong. You got to do this for you and your family. You got to make it. I kept thinking of Dr. Paul Horniak. This long-distance swimmer I follow on Facebook who has done some of these gnarly swims. He swam from Anacapa to Channel Islands Harbor, across Lake Tahoe, and he has a saying, just keep swimming. This and the chorus of the Grateful Dead song, Row Jimmy, became my mantras. There were times I'd look at the oil platform and it just looked like it wasn't getting any closer. Every time I asked myself, am I going to make it? Another voice would say, Scott, 
you got this. Just keep swimming. This was interspersed with random flashes of my family and friends. At one point, I started to think about my boat. What am I going to do if my boat's destroyed? This is my livelihood. Then I laughed at myself because I had much bigger problems. That went on for what seemed like eons, especially after the sun went down and it got dark. I had no idea what time it was. All I could see were the lights on the platform. I felt like I was a boat trying to steer the course and I knew that I would get there eventually. I was getting closer and even though that was a real spirit lifter, I still had negative thoughts. Above all, I was feeling very lonely and isolated. All of a sudden, I heard a big splash next to me. I hadn't thought about the many great white sharks that live in this area up to now. When I heard that splash, my heart jumped out of my chest. I was like, fuck, a shark. And then a little seal popped its head out of the water next to me and looked at me. Dude, what are you doing out here? I had never been so overwhelmed with joy to see another living creature in my life. I was like, oh my God, there's something out here with me that's alive. I always tell my son, who's starting to work as my dive tender, when he asks about seals, I say, they're like playful little dogs. I've been underwater, had a seal mess with my urchin bag, and hugged him and given him a noogie on the head. Instantly, that seal became my best buddy. He was like my dog. Come here, little buddy, I said. He'd pop up and down, looking at me, then disappear underwater, pop back up and look at me. I was just talking to him. Hey, dude. What are you doing out here? I fell off my boat and got a swim to the oil platform and it really sucks. What do you think, pal? That really kept me going because it took my mind off my situation because I was starting to get tired and it gave me something else to focus on. Twice, when I stopped swimming and started to tread water to get my bearings, the seal went under and bumped me with his nose in the back of my legs and butt. It was like he was telling me, hey dude, get your ass in gear, get going. I was starting to run out of things to say to him, so I sang him Grateful Dead songs and told him the same corny jokes I tell my kids. Then he went under and disappeared. He was gone. I got a little bummed, but I could see I was getting closer to the oil platform. I was probably four hours into this ordeal by now, and although I kept saying to myself, just keep swimming, I was getting tired and it was pitch black. There was no moon at night, and as I slowed my pace to take a rest on my back, a flock of 40 or 50 seagulls came out of nowhere and started hovering over me. One came so close I could have grabbed him. They're all looking at me, and I'm like, hey guys, I'm not bait. Now exhaustion was really setting in, and there was no telling myself, you're not tired. No, I'm fucking tired. Out of the corner of my eye, I started to see light. I'm kind of tripping and think, this is it. This is the light I've heard about from the people who survived near-death experiences, God is coming to take me. I'm not religious at all. In fact, I've had disdain for organized religion for much of my life. Now I was like, Thompson, this is the time to get right with God, dude. So I looked up to the sky and said, God, I'm sorry for all the shitty things I've done in my life. I tried my best to be a good person and hope you can forgive me. At least take care of my family. I was ready to give up. The light kept getting brighter and brighter. I thought I was done. I was staring at the sky, crying, talking to God. Then all of a sudden I heard room, room, room of a diesel engine and wondered what the hell is that? I snapped out of my trance, started treading water, 
and saw I was 500 feet from the oil platform. I was like, oh my God, I did it. It's the light from the oil platform. I got another shot of adrenaline, got on my belly and swam as hard as I could. When I got to the closest pylon, I could see it was covered with giant muscles and barnacles. Even though the ocean was really surging up, I grabbed onto it. The water was going up and down a few feet with every surge. I was clinging to this thing like a limpet, getting the crap beaten out of me, sliding up and down, getting shredded by muscles. I looked around for the fucking ladder that I'd been dreaming of for the last five hours, and again, the negative thoughts came. Oh, great. I finally made it to this thing, and there's no way to get on it. I started screaming at the top of my lungs. Help! Help! Anybody here? Between the sound of the generators and the waves, it was too loud for anyone to hear. Suddenly, there was a big surge, and when the sea level dropped, I looked at the pylon across from me and saw a ladder that led to a small metal grate and then a set of stairs. Although it was only 40 or 50 feet away, I was so beaten and exhausted I was wondering if I could make it. The water was all sloshing around and there was a crazy current. I'm like, oh man, can I even make it to that thing? What if I miss it? I gotta try. I gotta try. The ladder was only 50 feet away, but it seemed like 10 miles. Then, I don't know if I'll ever wrap my mind around this, but a big surge came. When I felt the water on my back, I knew it was going right towards the ladder. It was now or never. I pushed off the pylon and the muscle cut the shit out of my foot, but I didn't even feel it. It was just effortless. I don't know if it was divine intervention or dumb luck, but it felt like the hand of God picked me up and placed me on that ladder. When I reached it, I grabbed onto one of the rungs and it took everything that I had to climb up it. Once I reached that platform, I flopped down on it like a seal and just laid down on my back. I was finally on the platform. Now the exhaustion, the cold, the shock, everything set in at once. I felt like I got hit by a bus. I started thinking, is anyone even here? So I started to climb the stairs thinking that there's got to be a phone or radio somewhere. It took everything I had to climb the stairs. I had to climb them on my hands and knees one step at a time. I got to a gangway walked down it holding onto the handrail and saw a big panel with buttons and switches. Then I noticed a big red button and thought, whoa, that's the oh shit button. If I push that thing, somebody's going to come. I was tempted for a second, but thought to myself, Thompson, you're already in a big bowl of shit. Don't make it any worse. There's got to be a phone or radio or human somewhere. Keep looking. So I kept walking until I saw a big glass window with a room with a light on in it. When I looked in the window, I saw a guy sitting behind a computer. I stumbled up to the glass and started banging on it. The guy at the computer jumped out of his chair, opened the door and said, who are you? What's going on? I was having a hard time talking, but managed to say, I fell off my boat. I'm hypothermic. I need to warm up. Then another guy came. They called the medic and took me to the locker area. There was a warm shower. They put me in it and turned on the warm water. I sat under it, and as I began to thaw out, I asked if I could have a coffee. A few minutes later, a guy came in with a white paper cup full of black coffee. It had been probably sitting in the pot for hours and was the gnarliest, most disgusting, burnt, truck stop coffee you've ever seen in your life. I think for the rest of my life, it will be the best cup of coffee that I ever drink. I sat there in the hot water and thought to myself, thank God I'm alive. 
Eventually, the medic said, okay, let's get you dried off and warmed up. When I got out of the shower, he handed me a towel. I was kind of locked up and was like, no way, dude. I got back in the shower and turned on the water again. Then he made me dry off and helped me out of my wet clothes and gave me a jumpsuit and sandals to wear. They wrapped me up in towels. And when the medic took my vitals, my internal body temperature after a shower and coffee was 96 degrees. Who knows how cold I was before the shower. They let me use the phone to call my wife. When I told her that I was fine and now I was going to try to find my boat, she said, typical, you're more worried about your boat than your life. They got the Coast Guard on the radio and they started asking about my boat. I'm a member of Towboat US, so they put me in touch with Paul Amaral, the main guy in Ventura. I told them the last time I saw Miss Grace, she was headed towards the channel. She could be on the beach. She could have hit the Wainimi break wall. She could be in Malibu for all I know. Suddenly, I remembered that I had recently installed a boat management system on Miss Grace and said, Paul, I have VMS. Scott, he replied, we're going to find your boat. Don't worry about a thing. A few minutes later, he called back and said, we found your boat. It's on the front side of Anacapa at Frenchie's Cove. Don't worry about a thing. We're going to get it off the beach. I talked to your wife and she's authorized everything. When the Coast Guard boat arrived, I got on board. Although I'd warmed up, I was still in shock and told him, I'm good. I ain't going to the hospital. All I could do was think about how much this was going to cost me and if my insurance was going to cover it. I asked one of the Coast Guardsmen to call my wife and ask her to come pick me up. They called her, but she got really mad and told him, I'm not picking him up. Tell him he can walk home if he doesn't get in that damn ambulance. At that point, I surrendered. It just was what it was. I had to go along with the program and was no longer in charge. The Coast Guard, the paramedics in the ambulance, the nurses, the doctors at St. John's were all amazing. They put an IV in my arm and I was super nauseous from all the salt water I swallowed. The doctor said, I can't believe what just happened to you and you're here talking to me. It's nothing short of a miracle that you're alive. At about 6 a.m. the next morning, the doctor came in and asked me how I felt. Pretty crappy, but I think I'm going to live. Oh, you're going to live. All your tests checked out and I can discharge you whenever you're ready. You're an amazing human being. I wasn't feeling too amazing, but I thanked him anyway. I didn't want to wake up my wife, so I called an Uber. When I got home, I hugged my wife and kids and everybody had a good cry, then went to bed and fell into a deep sleep. After I woke up, Paul from Towboat US called and said, We worked all night, got your boat off the beach and the damage is minimal. The outdrive got sheared off. There's some fiberglass damage, but no water in the engine box. Other than that, it's fine. It's floating next to my office. We're going to pull it out of the water just to be safe. We have a trailer. We can put it on. Do you have a slip? I told Paul that my truck and trailer were at Channel Islands Harbor, and he said, I've got your keys. If you don't mind, I'll just get your truck and load your boat onto your trailer for you. I was amazed by the job Paul and the guys at Towboat US did and said, Paul, you're the fucking man. Do whatever's easiest for you. My mom drove me to Ventura. I got my boat. Thank Paul and his guys over and over. Quote, we're just glad that you're alive, Paul said. We've been up all night and are going to go home and get some rest. Tomorrow's another day. Once I got home, I was beating myself up. How did I get so complacent when I know better? I'm such an idiot. Finally, one of my friends said, it was an accident. That's why the word is in the dictionary. It was a lesson learned. The next day, my old fire captain showed up and got out of his car with a life jacket and handed it to me. We both started laughing and he said, come here, asshole, give me a hug. I tell you what, I'm a believer that there's a higher power now. I don't know what it is, but there is a power greater than me. 
That was shown to me, and I will never doubt that for the rest of my life. After my big swim, a light just went off in my head. I realized that it's time to start living and tie up all the loose ends in my life. I'm kind of a computer game nerd at heart, and I guess I got the high score, an extra life, and made it to the bonus round. Grace was my great-grandfather's name, it's my daughter's name, and it's my boat's name. I guess I named it that for a reason. And I say, row, Jimmy, row. Gonna get there? I don't know. Seems a common way to go. Get down. Row, row, row. Row, row, row. Row, Jimmy. Grateful Dead. There's presently a GoFundMe campaign, Operation Repair Scott's Boat. If you'd like to contribute, go on GoFundMe.